0: Welcome, Cops and Robbersons, to the Danger Room, the Uncanny X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss the Uncanny X-Men number 185, the September 1984 issue on sale June 5th of 1984, cover price of 60 cents. This was titled Public Enemy. Oh, yes. The minute they
1: see me, fear me, I'm the- epitome, a public enemy. Used abuse without clues. I refuse to blow a fuse. They even had it on the news. Don't believe the hype. Don't, don't, don't believe the hype. Don't, 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 don't believe the hype. Yes. And on the cover What's of this on one, one jam, jam. you have a very oh, a public enemy-looking rogue. She she's she's says like, rogue public like, enemy. She's got like a clock around her neck. <laughs> she's Rogue Flave. No, uh, she's she's just holding Storm in her clutches. I know who you're talking about, but I didn't
0: know. I don't know who the members of Public Enemy are.
1: Uh, Well, there's Chuck D, Flava Flave. Obviously,
0: Grandmaster Flash.
1: No, and Terminator X is their DJ. There's other members, but those are the three that stand I out. I thought in my Grandmaster
0: head. Flash was the clock guy.
1: No, that's Flava Flav. Did he did he steal that from Grandmaster Flash? I'm pretty sure Grandmaster Flash never wore a clock.
0: Oh man, <laughs> my cred is dipping.
1: <laughs> yes, son. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Storm, she's she's there's a purple background. There's a bunch of lightning in the background. And uh, she's holding on to Storm, and Storm looks like she's passed out or dead or something, and they're standing she's, in the water. She's very much beaten. Yeah. So, look out, everybody. This is the one where Rogue goes rogue. That's right. We've been waiting for this. Yeah. Because, like, Rogue is, uh, you know,
0: she's she's a Brotherhood mm, agent.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's on orders from the Blob to kill Storm. Probably. So, well, let's open this you thing up. You better kill Storm. <laughs> Ever since Gunther died, I just want Storm dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this one is, in fact, called Public Enemy. It is written by Chris Claremont. John Rumita Jr. and Dan Green are the artists. Tom Orzakowski is the letterer. And Nocenti is the editor. Sorry, skipped the most important part of this. Glennis Wien is the colorist. Uh, Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And it's the Uncanny X-Men, Adam. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Uncanny X-Men are the stars. They are. <laughs>
1: And we get a big f- splash panel, bunch of stuffy-looking dudes and one woman. I think it's Valerie Cooper. They're all yep. at a boardroom table, looking at a big video screen of a very mad-looking rogue soaring above the clouds. And... Henry
0: Peter Guyrich is there, and he's he's talking to the room, and he says, "This gentleman and ladies is the danger. I mean, Rogue. <laughs> she is a mutant and as dangerous as." Powerful as she is powerful. She is our target. Our Target. A
1: Target, if you will. Says Him shooter. <laughs> um is it Henry Peter Gyrich or Henry Peter Gyrich? Oh. Um uh, one of those. <laughs> I've always gone with the Henry Peter Gyrick route, but I mean it's I could It's probably
0: Henry Peter Gyrich.
1: I could see where Guyrich, you know would be there, so I'd just, you know, maybe one of our Maybe f- it's Henry Peter Gyrich. You uh, could be right, and and we're both wrong. <laughs> so Henry Peter Gyrish, he uh he 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 gives the boardroom here. Uh, I guess at the Pentagon, kind of a rundown of this public enemy, this rogue person whose name is Rogue, and how she had broken into the Pentagon uh, Pentagon a while ago, and she fought the X Men. Do you remember that, Adam? I do. And then some people shot her.
0: Although surprisingly, it doesn't say as seen in X-Men issue number. True
1: enough. And uh, she attacked Storm. I mean, I guess that was part of the whole Pentagon attack. I mean, basically three pa- uh, panels from that Pentagon attack.
0: Well, I feel like the middle panel is from, well, I guess it must be from the Pentagon attack because she's got the two stripes.
1: Mm-hmm. I-, I mean, it definitely looks like the cover of, what, like two issues ago, 187? Yeah, But I'm... Yeah, either it's misleading or it's not. And Storm's got her long hair there, so, you know, the, the last time they faced off in, in any sort of manner like that with her hair long uh, was that issue. So
0: You're Right, man, it's gotta be.
1: So, uh, Henry Peter Gyrish, he keeps going along. She's part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, but she's been with the X-Men lately, so we don't know what she's doing. Uh, but this guy we know, Forge, he made a gun, and I have it.
0: Uh, He speculates, interestingly enough, that Rogue was actually uh, working in coordination with the X-Men at the Pentagon because shortly after that, all the references to the X-Men and mutants in general disappeared from their federal computer network. Really? Which is not the way computers work.
1: (laughs) Well, back in 1981 – it's totally how computers worked.
0: <laughs> but um, a further possibility is that the X Men and the Brotherhood have formed an alliance. Mm, okay. And then uh, I like this picture of P- P- uh, Peter Penry <laughs> Penry Heater Henry Peter Gyrich or Gyrich uh, standing at the podium. His pants look a little too baggy, though. He needs to see a tailor. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, he's getting a government salary. I mean, he's only pulling down like 60-70k. But yes, then
0: he pulls out as you mentioned a forge gun.
1: Yes. It's the gun that we saw in 187 that's not ready for prime time. So, how does he have it, Adam? Oh, he must have uh, gotten it somehow. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> One good shot will essentially transform Rogue into a normal human being. "Gyridge,"
0: says the Baroness, as she enters the room,
1: how did you get that gun from Destro? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, are we saying that Forge is
1: Destro? Well, yeah. I mean, he could be anybody underneath that chrome dome of his.
0: Oh, man.
1: He, even though we did see his face in one of the G.I. Joe issues.
0: And it's true, but he was, he had a thing on. Right. It's a rubber mask.
1: True that. Or
0: a fake beard or something.
1: And she's like, well, you you can't have the neutralizer. Give me the neutralizer back. You're not supposed to have that. Raven
0: says, uh, Valerie Cooper, as she stands up, calm down.
1: Nobody's supposed to know that the gun exists, especially you, Guy Rich. Uh, it's, it's, it's a functional prototype, so you shouldn't have it. But he says that he's authorized, and she's like, but it's untested. We don't know what it's going to do.
0: And Valerie says this would seem to be the ideal opportunity to learn, and that's when the the bear, uh, uh, uh what is ra- uh, Raven, uh,
1: Mystique says, This was your idea, Valerie? Well, first she does like a spit take. What? <laughs> Val, this was your idea? Yep. And Valerie's like, Well, I knew, you know, I understand your feelings, but Rogue's a killer. And, well, we got this gun, so how will we just take care of it?
0: If it doesn't work, we're no better off, uh, worse off than before. Um, Rogue will just be dead. Or, or I guess not dead, but powers permanently removed.
1: Right. This
0: gun doesn't kill.
1: Yes. So either nothing happens, she'll lose her powers forever, or she'll lose her powers temporarily. So come on, what's the worst that could possibly happen?
0: (laughs) And apparently it went up as high as the Oval Office, so Mystique is just going to have to deal.
1: Yeah, she can go to the president and all she wants, but it won't matter. Uh, Meanwhile, at the mansion, uh, Storm runs into the professor's therapy session uh, who he's conducting with a uh, young lady? It's Rachel. Yep. <laughs> and says, uh, "Hey, stole or uh, the professor? Rogue's missing."
0: And the professor says, "I know, or wait, I don't know,
1: <laughs> or do I?" <laughs> I'm so mysterious. <laughs> tell her, tell her, Rachel. You're mysterious too. When did too.
0: this happen? Says the professor, who clearly has not been focusing on the X Men's minds. Yeah. I thought they we were all supposed to have some sort of special rapport.
1: Uh, well, Rogue's a new addition to the team, so he has not yet developed the psychic rapport with Rogue.
0: Is he able to get into Rachel's mind, or is, is it blocked because of the whole time travel thing?
1: Oh, I don't know. But but not only that, they I don't know if they've done this yet, but they do. will go on to say that Rogue's mind is almost alien because of the binary thing, Captain Marvel thing that she absorbed. And so it's very hard for any... Uh, telepaths or psychics to get into her mind. Rachel, I don't know about yet. She probably is difficult to get into her mind, as she's a telepath, right? Has she been trained? Pres- Possibly. Presumably, she's been trained by the master, the the
0: alternate reality
1: professor. No, the master, the guy that disguises himself. No, I'm kidding. Yes, the master, <laughs> the, the pr- professor Xavier Master. Yes, that's what I meant. An older, wiser, balder professor much much bolder. Yes. He has no eyebrows. So, uh the professors, she's you know, they're like, "Well, what's going on? Storm says she's she's nowhere, she's uh not in her bed, her closet's empty. She's left. No note."
0: No note. She didn't leave a note. Oh man. Excuse us a moment, Rachel. Storm surmises that since her encounter with Michael Ross- Rossi, mm-hmm. uh, Rogue has become increasingly tense and unstable and she's been trying to help but Rogas refused, and uh, evidently she managed to hide her condition from you, which I feel like is kind of an accusation on Storm's part. She's like, WTF, Professor.
1: <laughs> You're supposed to be this all powerful guy who could mind wipe people. How come you didn't know?
0: Since Rossi is away on a mission, I have been able, unable to get his explanation.
1: Rogue turned to the X-Men because her powers were driving her insane. We thought she was getting better, but now I am desperately afraid she may be uh, suffering a relapse. So, the professor says, hey, let's go check out Cerebro. Everybody remember Cerebro? Yes. It's been a while.
0: And we never see the professor in this issue again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, Rachel... Is just thinking to herself like this. None of this makes sense. Rogue was the one that the X uh, with the X Men in that throwaway issue, last issue, which was still a pretty good issue uh, that rescued her from Celine. Uh, Celine. Um, that was a, a combination of Celine Dion. I almost called her Celine. Celine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, a little-known fact: Celine Dion was actually the inspiration for Celine.
1: Weird. Uh, but but Rachel doesn't remember her from her future. Um, so what else is new? I see most uh this era, era the less my memories mean anything. So everything looks different. She hurtled herself back in time to save her future from uh, destruction. I never dreamed she'd end up in the wrong past. I wonder how deep the differences run. Hey, here's a phone number for Cyclops. I better call. He's in Cy- or he's in Alaska. What's he doing there?
0: Yeah, well, she wants to she wants to call Cyclops because uh, she's curious if that's changed. Maybe maybe things have changed with him, and she doesn't know all the differences. And for some reason, she wants to hear his voice.
1: Hello? Hello, this is Scott Summers. Is anyone there? What's up, hon? <laughs> this is how I always answer the phone, by giving everybody every bit of information about me. <laughs> I'm making a mistake. I shouldn't call, but I hear his voice. To know he's alive and that things can't change no matter what.
0: Wait, his voice, her voice doesn't sound like Jean's. Oh, no? I, I don't think so, because then... then... Cyclops would be like, Gene or Madeline, is that you? <laughs>
1: well, because right now, Rachel is just thinking to herself. She hasn't said a word to Cyclops. Cyclops is like, no answer. It's probably a crank. Or a wrong number.
0: And he hangs up in the weirdest way possible. He faces the camera, and he backhands the phone onto the hook.
1: Yeah, turning his body away from his wife.
0: That's, it's very, I don't know. It's very That's, weird. It's strange. Hmm.
1: And uh, Rachel... And panel by panel, it's very cool. There's a phone cord that separates the two. Phone cords, for those of you that don't know or are too young to remember, are things that used to hook a receiver up to a base of a telephone that used to have punch buttons or dials.
0: Do you think anybody sees these panels and, like, just doesn't make that connection these days? They're like, why are there squiggly lines in between the panels?
1: Anybody listening to this podcast knows full well what a rotary telephone is. Okay. <laughs> and uh, as the phone hangs up, uh, Rachel says to herself, Daddy! Mom! So, Adam, do you think she heard Madeline in the background and the voice sounded like her mom's? Yeah,
0: absolutely. What else? How else would you interpret it?
1: Are we to understand that Rachel is the offspring of Scott Summers and Madeline Pryor?
0: That is one uh, interpretation for sure.
1: (laughs) Is there any other interpretation you could think of? Nope. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) Well, back at the Pentagon, apparently many, many floors down below in a subcomplex, Mystique is able to relax and be her own mutiny blue self and apparently sneak in other uh, known fugitives.
0: So not only does uh is uh Raven Darkholm the deputy director of whatever the hell she's the director of, but uh she also is has a uh apartment at the uh Pentagon, which is so protected that she's able to bring the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants there.
1: Is it an apartment or is it just like a super swank office?
0: Well, They don't... They call it these secret hidden chambers. Yeah. But I I don't know. Are the... It sure looks like an apartment as she walks in.
1: So the secret hidden chambers of the Pentagon are the group's operational headquarters. And the group that we are referring to uh, comprises the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah. That seems a little (laughs) far-fetched. Just a little bit. Just a teensy (laughs) bit. But yeah, I would... uh, I mean, you could go to the apartment route, but maybe, but... I mean, there's there's like a big glass table with some magazines, a big couch, uh, like a fully stocked bar in the corner. I, I don't know. Yeah, it could be your apartment or just like a super swank office, like I said. I don't know.
0: So I don't know if, like, who would be aware that these little apartments exist?
1: I don't know. Probably the the cleaning staff, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because the cleaning staff, they got to have access to everything. Um, The heating and ventilation and air conditioning guy would have to have some idea.
0: So there are other people who would know.
1: The electrical engineer. I mean, this this area is getting power in water, presumably. Uh the yeah. architect. The architect. So I mean it's it's reasonable to believe that the president doesn't know because I mean we elect a new president every four years and they don't I don't they don't tell him everything.
0: Maybe Raven Darkholm has been killing off everybody who knows. <gasps>
1: that's that's that could be. That could be. And maybe she's like, uh, when the bills come for the Pentagon, she like gets there before everybody else does and takes the bills out of the mailbox uh, just to, to obfuscate the uh, electrical bill of this secret hidden chamber base.
0: Uh, maybe it's somehow, uh, maybe the Pentagon just gets a general electric bill that doesn't isolate down to its small apartments.
1: Oh, okay. That's probably more reasonable to believe. Yeah, I don't know. But uh she she's got a she's meeting here with Destiny. So, the, I mean, Destiny is an she's old She's got a meeting
0: with Destiny. Yeah.
1: <laughs> she's an old blind lady who got here on her own accord. How That's did she true. How did she make <laughs> her way? I mean, it, to me it seems like she would have gone through the front door and been like, "Here's my pass for the secret elevator." Be a secret entrance. <laughs> yeah, well, it just seems like a like a horrible... F- like, you wouldn't design that into the Pentagon. I mean, let me back up. You would probably design that into the Pentagon. Many secret entrances and exits. But wouldn't they be, like, well-known by, like, all of the top people?
0: I don't know. This is just <laughs> not... I don't know why Chris Claremont needed this to be in the Pentagon.
1: I don't either. I mean... Does this ever... Go anywhere? Kind of. Okay. Kind of. But they didn't have to do it this way to make it go where it's going to go. But anyways, yeah, so Destiny made her way in here somehow. Um, yes,
0: because she needs to inform a raven that Rogue is in grave danger. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap.
1: Raven, are those prunes on the bar? <laughs> I'm ever so not regular. Okay. So, anyways, yeah, there's uh, something horrible is going to happen and it's probably going to happen to Rogue. So, we should probably do something about this. And they go through the Xavier versus me and decisions and blah, blah, blah.
0: Well, she, Raven considers uh, maybe we should let this happen because Rogue hates her powers. And in a sense, Stripping her of her powers permanently would just send her back to, uh, Mystique. That's like, that sounds like a cool idea. If she lost her powers? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So she says, uh, Destiny, you're the precog. You can see the future. Why don't you tell me what the best thing to do is?
0: And then Destiny says,
1: <laughs> what? what? I can't tell you because the future's <laughs> jumbled. Jumbled.
0: As if the very fabric of time itself has been rent asunder. So she's referring, obviously, to Rachel having traveled through time. Oh, I never made that connection, but that makes sense. But the problem with that is that if the, her perceptions over the past few days have become jumbled, how does she know Rogue is in grave danger?
1: Maybe she's always known that Rogue is in grave danger. <laughs> it's just a general thing <laughs> since the moment they <laughs> met. Well, Rogue
0: is in grave danger. I don't know who
1: that is. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, you know, maybe it starts off as something in. Somebody important in your life will be in grave danger. This is that important person. Uh, she's going to be in grave danger in four months. Four months has passed. You should probably do something about it. Uh, futures jumbled, but you know you've pretty much got the idea of what's going on. Now I get,
0: I get the uh, my interpretation, or, or is that destiny came here because Rogue is in grave danger specifically uh, right now.
1: And so because the future is jumbled or whatever, uh she can't uh offer any advice other than she that Raven follows her heart.
0: Okay, Destro.
1: <laughs> so, uh on an airplane, Valerie and uh, Valerie Cooper and Henry Peter Gyrick, are um they're they're going to find uh, Rogue.
0: So, uh somebody says Shield uh because uh normally this operation would be handled by Shield, but they're they're busy in the war against the Dire Race, mm. which we know about the Dire Race because they were featured in issues of ROM that we covered and also because I believe they talked about them last issue, right?
1: Uh, yeah, sometime. Um,
0: S.H.I.E.L.D. here stands for Supreme Headquarters Intelligence Espionage Law Enforcement Division. I'm pretty sure that's not what it stands for today.
1: We covered what S.H.I.E.L.D. stood for like two years ago, uh, and I don't remember, but is this the same that it stood for then?
0: I think so, yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> what does it stand for now? I'd have to look that up. I'm not prepared. Okay. But, um, you know. Whatever. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Well, well, when we when it changes, I will note it in 10 years.
1: And there's also a reference to uh, Avengers Annual 10.
0: Right. Uh, she talks about how, or, or I guess Henry Peter uh, Jairish talks about how since Rogue stole Carol Danvers' alien physiology they're able to track uh, Rogue pretty easily the same way that the Avengers tracked her in Avengers Annual
1: number 10 how convenient yeah meanwhile in Dallas Texas from a well newly familiar building we hear somebody call out she's done what our agreement was that nobody was supposed to use that gun i gave her an apartment the holographic changer. And she stole my gun?
0: <laughs> so, did, is that what happened? Uh, she's Valerie just stole the gun? Or did Forge give her the gun and they were like, okay, I'm going to give you this, but don't use it.
1: Well, I don't specifically recall, but um, it seems to me that when they were conversing about the gun and Forge was like, yeah, but it's not ready. Like he turned his back and was like, does anybody want lunch? Because I can make a really good lunch. Uh, and we never saw the gun be exchanged back to Forge. I mean, you would assume that since he said it's not ready and I don't want to use it on anybody, somebody would have given it back to him, but we never saw it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I, I was, I've always been under the impression that Valerie stole it.
1: That's, e- yeah. Either way, Valerie took it <laughs> uh, somehow. And uh, Raven was unaware, and uh, now she's here telling Forge. Well, this
0: is a hologram of Raven.
1: You're right, it is. Um, So, yes, Forge has a 3D Star Wars-esque holograph thing. (laughs) The impression
0: I received is that she doesn't care much that it's untested. Her only concern is capturing Rogue.
1: I have no idea whether the gun removes powers temporarily or permanently or what might happen to the person in the process. It could cause incalculable damage. It might even kill...
0: That's why I phoned Forge. No one in authority will listen to me. I'm hoping, praying you have better luck.
1: If I don't, Ray, the government can find itself another inventor as I race out to my airplane. This is Forge, She says, flying his superjet. I want to speak to the president. And this dude is connected. Or... Do you think he just grabs his intercom and just randomly says that all the time? <laughs> and the person's like, uh nine one one, what's your emergency? That's
0: actually the code to launch the plane.
1: <laughs> he has not made a phone call. All he did was turn the engines on. Yep. <laughs> well, meanwhile, Caldecott County on the banks of the Mississippi. Um, there's there's the Mississippi River, sunset, trees, rocks, swanging rope. Bikini girl swinging off the swinging rope. Hey,
0: I know that bikini girl. It's Rogue. It's Tarzan. Oh, yeah, it's
1: Rogue. (laughs) Who are you gonna? Oh, it's Tarzana.
0: I was gonna say Tarzan, but Tarzana's even better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And as she lands into the water, a riverboat passes by. Because every minute or so, a riverboat passes by on the old Mississippi. It's a fact, you know. And even though they are really, really far away, they're all like,
0: "Whoa, that's totally hot! (laughs) Take it off!" Do you think this boat is Bodie McBoatface? <laughs> I sure hope it
1: is. <laughs> Bodie McBoatface Mark 1. <laughs> encore, encore! Uh 187 ask for Jody. Jody
0: is a boy's name, but it's spelled here the girl way.
1: Are you sure? I thought J-O-D-I-E was the girl way, and J-O-D-Y is the boy way. I
0: know two Jodies and the Jody that I know who is a boy is J-O-D-I-E. Seriously? And the Jody that I know is a girl is J O D. I know two Jodies who are J-O-D-Y. Weird.
1: I know one Jody, and she's I-E. Hmm.
0: Now, Adam... Well, by the rule
1: of uh, averages,
0: <laughs> your, your <laughs> friend is weird.
1: <laughs> um, is there nothing saying that Jody in this comic book isn't a female? I suppose it could be, but then she
0: does say, Thank you, boys! y'all really know how to do a girl's heart proud. It's not thank you boys, and
1: strange lady. Well, she is young, it's the eighties, and she doesn't know how to process that, so she ignores it. She doesn't hear it. Maybe Jody is
0: a woman, but she's like dressed up like a boy, so she's doing like the girl boy accent
1: five 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 zero forty seven ask for jody yeah i'm I'm totally a man. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so she's laying on the rock, uh, sunbathing, and uh, that's when she feels a shadow come over her head.
0: So are these, these are, this is, this area is from her youth, yes?
1: Uh, we don't know. I don't know what this is yet.
0: Well, she says she'd forgotten how much she missed it. Oh. The river, that is.
1: I mean, we're going to get, yes, we're going to get confirmation that it's from her youth, okay. but I don't think we have that confirmation right now.
0: A shadow falls over her sun tanning bikini body and she opens her eyes and says, hello, Storm.
1: Hello. Storm sets down and asks if she could join her. It's free
0: country, but don't come too close. I ain't wearing much and one touch is all it take
1: to zap you. You tell me that every time I sit next to you. I know. It's like my deadly eyes. (laughs) It's my deadly touch. (laughs) Everybody knows. Don't worry. I won't forget to remind you every chance I get.
0: It's my curse. My deadly touch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And this is where she first learned about her powers. She was fooling around with Cody Robbins. You know, necking. It wasn't anything serious. Just wanted to see what all the fuss was about. I kissed him. And he keeled over. First I thought it was my breath. (laughs) Then I thought it was my armpits. (laughs) But I realized it was me. It was my mutant power. I thought I killed him. I started hearing his voice in my head, his memories that were his and not mine. I tried to shut him out, but I couldn't, and I ran.
0: I realized I was a bad kisser because I felt myself kissing him. It was weird.
1: <laughs> I said, ew, this is what I feel like? Gross. I got to work on
0: that. <laughs>
1: but now I can't. Because <laughs> anytime I touch anybody, I absorb their powers. By the way, don't get too close to me. I ain't wearing much.
0: Rogue. Do you think Rogue is, like, the worst kisser in the world?
1: Well, I mean— She has
0: no experience, and she can't.
1: That's part of the tragedy of Rogue, is that she wants to love. She wants to—she can't embrace. She can't, you know, do the things that people do. And she's, what, 17, 16, 17 years old here? She's in her her formative years.
0: The hormones are rampant.
1: Her, Her body is saying, go, 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 and her mind's like, I can't do that. I don't want to be feeling what it's like to kiss me. We already know how that turned out the first time. So, yeah, that's that's the tragedy of Rogue. So, yeah, she's probably a terrible kisser. But it's not her fault.
0: Aurora, I've been at Xavier's school for months and nothing's changed. I still can't control my powers. Heck, I'm worse off than I was before. Because now I, I don't know anywhere any more where my loyalties lie with y'all or Mystique. It's it's crazy running up in here in this old head.
1: Uh We're your friends. Can't we do something to help you? Yeah, but
0: like four or five or ten issues ago, you were like not my friends, and you were going to quit the team and before you'd let me join, and life is funny.
1: Yeah, and Carol Danvers, I could not forgive you for what you did to her.
0: But I know that your sense of honor and decency is stronger than you care to admit.
1: Give me a break, will ya? Because of what I did, I've got to spend the rest of my life as two people. Danvers and me. I'll never be myself. I'll never know any thoughts or feelings. I don't purely my own. That's the other tragedy of Rogue.
0: Yeah, that's, that's got to be tough. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, decency's got nothing to do with blah, 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 blah. So, what next?
0: Why do you lash out so? Do you trust no one? And that's when uh, she she says the only other person that she's been able to touch without... Who's Storm asks if anybody has given themselves willingly to Rogue, and uh, Rogue says no. But then she remembers that Wolverine did once, and uh, that's when Storm says, "Would you like to see the world through my eyes?" Mm. So the theory here is that if somebody gives their power willingly, that perhaps it won't be as crazy for Rogue. Okay. So I guess we'll see if that happens.
1: Well, that makes sense. So that the. The first memories of this person entering your body aren't them panicking and struggling. Right. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Okay. So, uh, at first she says no, um, but then Storm takes off her glove and she's like, come on. Come on. Suppose something goes wrong and I kill you. Eh, I'm prepared to take the risk. I'm afraid. You think I am not?
0: And they touch hands and... Normal. Aurora passes out which then her like now their arms are touching and stuff and so she's like she, she she puts her down carefully on the ground and suddenly the panel gets all white and shady and suddenly she says it's kind of like a her eyes go white and i think she's she's controlling the weather without even realizing it, and she's goddess well goddess goddess i'm trying to do like a Half storm, half rogue
1: here. Well, the question I have, Adam, is uh, would she merely take on the accent of the person who she absorbs uh, or would she take on the voice characteristics as well?
0: Well, she doesn't she doesn't normally say goddess.
1: Right. So that's just like I'm saying what you're saying because that's part of your personality. But remember in the Michael Rossi issue, Michael's like, ah, she keeps slipping in and out of that of a familiar voice. But that was Carol Danvers. So right. But what it's, I'm, hard. its hard to say. So I mean, the scientific answer would be no, right? Because your voice is your voice because of how your your how you're constructed, right?
0: Well, let's let's see how many contractions she uses. <laughs>
1: well, that that's that's a that's a that's a way of speaking. It's not necessarily the uh, the tonality of your voice. That's all I'm getting at,
0: I suppose.
1: In fact, in the next panel, she says, uh, "The sun and the air and the water." I see them as patterns of energy resonating within my own person. I feel aware of every living thing around me. My voice is changing. Yeah, ha! So, so. Becoming a blend of mine and Aurora's. Wait, uh, how does she know her voice is changing? She's not talking. She's thinking to herself. I still have my accent, but the tone is deeper and my speech more formal like hers. This is very weird, but very neat.
0: A wind has sprung up. Because of my transformation. See, I'm trying to do I'm trying to do a deeper southern accent. It just sounds silly.
1: <laughs> it does. It kind of sounds like a gomer pile. I was thinking like, hi, my name is Earl, and this
0: is my other, or Daryl. This is my other brother, Daryl, or I don't remember.
1: Yeah. Remember
0: the New Heart Show? I, I do, I do. Yep. Okay.
1: Um, yeah. So okay. she
0: creates some... Uh, small uh, rainstorms, uh, just hand size. And there's like a little. They have tiny little bolts of lightning.
1: One zaps her in her little finger, and she goes, "Ow!" Ooh.
0: And uh, she, after after putting that away, the the powers are starting to fade a little bit. And she 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 leans over to get some more powers out of Storm, and she says, ah, "I only want a little more. What harm is there in that?" And then she recoils before touching Storm and says, what am I doing? How could I even think of such a thing? Roro is my friend. Is this how I repay her trust? She, she gets zapped in the back.
1: That's quite a zap. I mean, she's like doubled over, but like the wrong way. It really looks like her back would snap on this panel.
0: Yeah. It's a good thing she's drawn so thin.
1: <laughs> or... uh uh, it's good she does her yoga. That's flexibility right there. She goes down, and uh, we hear from off-panel: "Federal officers, rogue! We have an award for your arrest."
0: And she is not quite passed out, but uh, she she's worried about Aurora, and she figures maybe I can the the feds the feds don't even may not know that Aurora's there, but they're after me, so I'm going to try and draw them away. So she kind of f- flies away. She looks like she's a little bit out of it. It's kind of like a drunken fly.
1: I really like this panel just because it conveys like, if imagine if you wake up in the middle of the night and you have to like go to the bathroom or whatever. But it's like a dead sleep and you wake up and you just kind of like stumble and you're kind of all over the place and bleary eyed and whatever. Yeah. This is that but flying. And I think that this illustration uh, with the little stars and the little lines like just captures it perfectly. Like she, job. She is drunk flying.
0: She's unable to fly above the trees, and she ends up flying through them. Um, The branches hurt her, so uh, her her invulnerability has been affected by the energy blast. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And then she sees the posse heading her way. She uh I think I don't know if it she like pushes a tree towards them or or if the tree falls, but somehow a tree breaks off and heads down towards the posse and uh rogue is flying away.
0: My abilities seem the most my abilities seem the most affected. Aurora's psyche psyche is gaining ascendancy. I find myself thinking in her terms, reacting as she would. Suppose the effect is permanent. Once her abilities revert, I could become a normal person. But, if I lose her powers as well
1: this is always so this begs the question and I've asked it before is like when she has somebody's powers, do they not have their powers?
0: um, we still haven't definitively learned that, but I they, mean – all, all signs point to yes at I, this point.
1: I don't like that. See, I like I like that they, they go unconscious. That makes sense because you've kind of – stolen their – like you've absorbed – the but it seems like there would potentially be like an overlap where like I have your powers, I have your memories and you're coming to and you have them as well. Otherwise, well, I, there's like I, some I, sort of psychic transference of the power uh, and that's weird.
0: I think – Uh, that's what they're, it seems like that's what they're pointing at now, Mm -hmm. but I think in time that will change. Okay. Well, but, uh, yeah, I, I would say just because of the fact that she completely stole Carol Danvers powers. So I think that is the ultimate transference is that they don't go back. And I think that's kind of a representation of how her powers work. If she, if she is able to, uh, absorb enough of their psyche and their, their, they're, the transfer is complete and they don't they don't go back ever. Hmm. I think that's what's happening here now, but I'm not entirely sure. It hasn't been explored enough.
1: All right. So uh Henry Peter Jairich has got the gun, the gun, and is shooting at Rogue.
0: Valerie Cooper is uh keep her keep after her, Jairich. Bring her down. Yeah, they're all out for blood. Yeah, he's a meanie. Mm-hmm.
1: So she's flying around and then she she inadvertently or maybe vertently, I don't know. Uh no, she since I still control her elemental abilities, I shall put them to good use. And so she whips up a cyclone, which whips up the soldiers and the vehicles and stuff, and they're all being whipped back and forth. Uh but then a boat, which is unfortunately nearby, gets caught up in the squall. It's Bodie McBoatface. It sure is the riverboat with Jody. Jody's on there. (laughs) And Jody's like, hey, (laughs) 5550182. And, uh, yeah, so she's like, oh my god, this lightning, wind, rain, this is a real storm. So, uh, like, the
0: uh, rogue has lost control of Storm's powers, and she's caused a, like, like like Storm, uh, sometimes when her emotions go crazy, the weather also goes crazy. And she thinks that it's a reflection of her rage with the feds, which she probably is. Makes total sense. And she is not surprised at how crazy or squirrely Aurora has been acting lately, that she has to... She has to keep her emotions in check all the time. It's got to be it's got to be crazy making.
1: Yeah, and uh you know as the storm gets further and further out of control, she's like, "Oh my gosh, storm is out of um um out, so I got to I got to do something." So she
0: goes to uh risk uh, well she 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 knows that she has to save the innocent bystanders and she thinks to herself, "Well, that was that was totally Aurora. I'm I'm not the type of person who thinks like that." Ah, uh, yes. And then uh and then her minds are blank and Aurora's special perceptions are gone as she is caught up in the middle of the storm. Um and she starts dropping to the ground, but that's that's when good old Storm appears and says, Be calm, rogue, I am here. And Storm kinda takes control of the storm and disperses it. And that's when Stormer reveals that she's been she's been uh she's been conscious for a little bit and that the thoughts that Rogue had about saving the tugboat people were uh, her own. And so, yeah, you know what? Maybe maybe, she, maybe, Rogue, maybe Storm was right. She, she does have a, uh, a kernel of honor and uh, kindness running through her. Dang, ain't that a crock?
1: <laughs> My rep is really shot now. Ro- or Storm brought Rogue's tunic and throws it off to her. She suits up, gets in her costume, and now they're going to go save that tugboat.
0: Perhaps I'm not as rotten as I like to think.
1: So now in this panel, we see Rogue pulling the tugboat, which Rogue can do because she can fly. She's super strong. But Storm is also holding onto the rope like, I'm helping too. <laughs> to totally participating in this exercise. Well, maybe she is no.
0: controlling the wind behind the tugboat.
1: Yes. And that would make sense if she was up there with her arms like, let me b- make a tailwind for you. But it says she's just pulling on the rope, just like Rogers. Well,
0: you know, what can you do?
1: I don't know. She's building her strength. Whatever. All right, so they... they Some, uh, uh,
0: Max on the boat says, You believe what you're seeing,
1: Jody? <laughs> Women's lib, Max. Cause, cause, Women's lib, Max. Because I'm a, I, I'm totally a man. Because I'm a dude. Everything went wrong when they gave the women the vote. <laughs> um, I'm a man. Okay. Yeah, so... um. Rogue and Storm are still pulling the boat to uh, the shore.
0: The uh, storm reveals that the reason that the feds are after Rogue is because they believe that Rogue is responsible for the death of a Shield agent during the rescue of Michael Rossi. Uh, Rogue says, "That's crazy. I didn't kill anyone. There was a dead guy in Rossi's cell, but he's been he'd been whacked by his partner, Roar. I've been framed."
1: Better make tracks while we can. They've got a weapon that cancels out superpowers. And then as an airplane circles in, we just get a couple of off-panel comments, which we'll talk about in a little while. But I always thought we're like, what is this? Because it's like, and look, they're bringing in the reinforcements. I know of the Neutralizer Rogue. Mystique told me when she told me where to find you. I felt like they could have done a little bit more, because if you're just kind of breezing through this book, you're not going to see this little panel on those captions.
0: Well, yes. And the other question is, why did they bother having a panel of the professor looking up Cerebro, like going to Cerebro, if that isn't how she found Rogue?
1: Right. Because your initial assumption is that that's how they found Rogue. The professor looked her up on Cerebro. But then, on this little throwaway panel, it's discovered that, no, she went and talked to Mystique, but... Again, you would have missed that if you were reading quicker. But anyways.
0: For that story, see future issues of Marvel fanfare, says the caption. Yeah. So
1: and Senti, the editor here, is like, You need to cover this. We're not gonna do it now. We'll do it later. Marvel fanfare later. Well, <laughs> all right, whatever. This place gets crazier and crazier and crazier. <laughs> so how uh,
0: did you tell that story?
1: <laughs> there's uh this company coming, says a random soldier. Um Dr. Valerie Cooper says, that's Forge's private jet.
0: So it's not reinforcements at all. all. It's it's Forge.
1: Mm -hmm. Gyrish says, splendid. Those muties are heading right for us.
0: He says, my mistake was using the minimal setting. I've recalibrated the neutralizer for full power!
1: And he aims the gun, he fires the gun, and Forge jumps from off panel and says, Gyrish,
0: don't! And Storm pushes Rogue aside, and I guess, uh... It's hard to tell if if Storm is, like, getting in front of Rogue to block the bullet, the laser, or if... Because Forge pushed Jyrish to the side, he accidentally hits Storm, but the results are the same. Storm gets hit, and there is a very audible
1: ARGH! Well, okay, so Storm says, Rogue, look out, and then she shot. But you gotta wonder, like, whose fault is this? Jyrish is aiming at Rogue. Forge comes along to try to push Jyrish out of the way, so he definitely affects Jyrish's shot in the first place. Actually, he's like falling forward. And then Rogue, I mean, Storm flies in and pushes Rogue out of the way. So I got to wonder, like, if Rogue would have done, or if Storm would have done nothing, would Gyrish would have missed? Or was Gyrish going to miss and Forge pushed him into shooting Rogue? Which then Storm pushed Rogue out of the way and then she got shot. This is all Forge's fault is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well... No, this is Valerie Cooper's fault. She stole the gun. Fair enough. But once that damage was done, if Forge would have just stood and been like, that guy's aim is terrible, and he would have shot, Storm would have done the same thing. Look out, Rogue, and the, 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 the laser beam would have just like hit a bird or something like that.
0: Well, also, I mean, Guy, Guy Rich is shooting at two women, or at least one woman, who is trying to save a tugboat. well he doesn't care. He's focused on the mission. What a jerk. Well... He loses. He loses just because of all the jerk points he's attaining.
1: So, uh, uh, thirty uh,
0: jerk points.
1: Arg! Storm gets shot, and laser beams are going out of her face, and her hands, and her feet, and then something—I don't know what it is—crashes into the tugboat.
0: Well, I believe that it is a uh, tornado.
1: Ah, oh, okay. Oh, sure. Because so, they're by the... Okay, so like when she was shot, like the sudden rush of pain and emotions probably just erupted into uh, exactly a, a tornado, which blew up this boat. Rogue falls into the water and Forge runs up and he's like, no, no, there's Storm, but I can't see any sign of the other one, Rogue.
0: The current must have swept her away. Rogue caught the full brunt of Storm's power discharge, secondary explosion of the Tug's fuel tanks. If she survives, it'll be a miracle.
1: Talking about Rogue, right. Yeah. So now everybody's just going to assume that Rogue is dead. Uh, the boat crew are all okay, though, even though the boat completely just exploded. They're, everybody's fine. Jody's fine, uh, too.
0: Gyrich is offering Forge a hand to help him out of the water as he's rescuing Storm. And Forge says, I can make it on my own, Gyrich. I don't want your help. I hope you're feeling proud, mister. You just shot the wrong woman.
1: She was aiding and abetting a fugitive.
0: They were trying to save lives, douchebag! Well... They could have escaped, but they didn't. Whatever
1: broke dead she, and
0: especially Storm, are supposedly innocent until proven guilty. That's the law, Garich.
1: I hate you. Only for Storm, a trial superfluous. Thanks to you, she's already condemned. You stripped her of her powers. You've destroyed her! Or at least that's what I think, because I really don't know. The gun's been untested. (laughs) Now, maybe the gun has been tested, but he's been hiding the results this whole time. I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, one could also argue that the boat never was in trouble until Rogue and Storm started playing patty cake. That's true. So, you know, they were both kind of guilty of putting those innocent people in in danger.
0: They made their own bed, and they lied in it. Yeah,
1: well, they are are definitely sleeping in it tonight. (sighs) And there's no way she can ever be made whole again. Outlaws, they may be in the eyes of the government, but the X-Men always fall for humanity. Your stupidity has changed that you may single-handedly have turned them from our defenders to our deadliest enemies.
0: Again, this will be confirmed after I do the tests to make sure that Storm's powers don't return, because I've not tested the gun yet.
1: And that's when we see some dire wraiths who are like, Look into the fire! The scrying pool that's made out of fire. That neutralizer there looks like the one Rom has.
0: Uh-oh, if humans develop the means of banishing us to limbo just like Rom, that could mean our doom. Therefore,
1: Forge must die. Next, Life Death by Chris Claremont, Barry Windsor-Smith, and Terry Austin.
0: Featuring Heme Shooter.
1: Um, I have never read any of the Life Deaths. Really? Because when I was a kid, I thought the art was weird.
0: But haven't you read everything as, like... A continuous stream like didn't you at least read the essentials in order
1: no i think i finished the, the essentials somewhere like around 175 or something i have never read any of the life deaths i mean there's only two of them but yeah
0: there's only two but you read weapon x or whatever that was called oh i loved weapon x which yes is barry windsor smith so did not that make you go back and be like i should retry
1: life death um weapon x is in my opinion a more refined perhaps differently inked, uh, Barry Windsor Smith, than Life Death. Now, when we go through this with my aged more wizened eyes i'm sure i will appreciate the art uh i will appreciate the a period right because i didn't before because uh, what i'm seeing is that a lot of the art that i didn't characterize as normal um i didn't like and so barry windsor smith's art i didn't like we've been through this before adam i was a no, very I, I shallow I, comic book reader
0: you don't. you don't need to explain it to me i get it
1: but now I'm looking forward to it because A, I've never read it, and B, I I am as an older person, a fan of Barry Windsor Smith. I'm just I'm just surprised
0: that being a person who likes chronology to some extent and the X-Men that you would have skipped over issues.
1: Well I didn't purposely skip over issues. I mean most of my one I don't know, 175 to 200. I've only read what I own, which is maybe 60%. Oh, so okay. there's there's big holes all over the place. Um, And uh, I, yeah, like I never, I stopped collecting the essentials after a while, so I didn't have those. And I, you know, then we started this podcast and I knew that was going to happen. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to be surprised as I read these. I don't want to read them twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's. That's that's that.
0: So the back cover of this comic book is a Star Wars ad for Star Wars: The Arcade Game. I've always hated this ad since I was a child. Do you want to know why?
1: Um, can I guess? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm, I don't know.
0: Because you can see up the dude's nose, and that is stupid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it if if they would have like done some 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 um, airbrushing and just made those nostrils? totally black, would you have been okay? I probably would have been okay with that. Because you can't actually see, like, like, you can see up his nose. You can yeah. see inside of his nose. Just like, I just don't Why would you
0: use this shot? Cause there must his, have been other shots.
1: His head is thrown back in excitement. And you look at the graphics that are on his his big black aviator glasses. And I guess in 19, what is this, 1981, 82, 83? 84. 84. Uh, maybe you were blown away by these
0: that's hard to imagine now actually i mean honestly
1: to look at him be like oh my god it's so it's like you're there
0: in star wars like if i was seeing this ad for the first time today i probably wouldn't even realize the things in his eyes were the video game
1: like Those are stupid-looking sunglasses. <laughs> Why are there blue lines on his lenses? Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I wonder if this ad was ever effective in any way. And look at oh, this. I'm
0: sure it was. It said Star
1: Wars the arcade game. Look at his horrible shirt. It's got like yeah, it's pretty s- awful. sunflowers on it or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, this is, a, this is a very prominent ad in the mid-'80s. Just like, uh, remember the Bonkers Fruit Chew ads? Yeah. Yeah. And the Chips Ahoy. Yep. Those are everywhere. Yeah, so there you go, everybody. There you go, everybody. Everybody. So, we got a Facebook note. We sure did. From, who? Adam. Jake Ivey. Yes. Jake Ivey wrote in with a a very interesting idea. Uh, We're probably late for this, but he said, uh, since the NFL draft is coming up at the end of the month, um which were passed now by the time this is released. How would you guys select your X-Men teams? You each need to select 5 members for the team. The characters you select can only be selected once, and the characters must have been uh, an X-Man w- at one point in their career. Adam, you go first. But before you go first, Adam, I want to understand ground rules, okay? Cuz this is serious.
0: All right. First, first I want to know okay. before we before we even start with the ground rules, why do I have to go first?
1: Ah, uh, Jake Ibe likes you better than he likes me, or he likes you better than he likes me. Oh, because because I get to hear what you say and then like pick a better one. Exactly. Uh-huh. Well, either way, yeah, like
0: I, I kind of got the shaft on this.
1: <laughs> All right, so uh, he has pointed out that we can only have one person each, right? Like, so I can't have Marvel Girl and you can't have Phoenix, right? Because they're the same person, right? Oh, okay. Okay, I mean, does that make sense? Or. uh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Archangel, Angel, Lent, that type of deal. Um so that, that that's fine and, and and you can't have um Wolverine and I can't have Wolverine. Like there's okay. a big pool of X-Men, we can only have one each. Um uh they have to have been an X-Man at any point, so basically anybody in the Marvel universe. Cuz <laughs> I mean Namor was an X-Man, wasn't he? I think so, yeah. He was an X-Man, Northstar was an X-Man. Uh tons of people have been X-Men. Um
0: Namor is a good one too.
1: <laughs> exactly. I've uh, given away all my good stuff here. Uh, uh, mimic right because he was an X Man once. Um, so, uh, are we are we are, is this a timeless thing? They can be living or dead. And if they're on my team and they are currently dead, are they actually alive on my team, or did I just uh, draft a dead X Man?
0: Uh, well, you should we should decide this because this is critical towards one of my choices.
1: <laughs> so I would say living or dead. Uh, okay. So so it's it's out of time. It's it's uh, uh the Beyonder. It's it's uh, Secret Wars three. So they're all from all timelines here. Uh, what was it? any other contingencies, thoughts, living or dead, any time any time frame, right? So you can have like an X-Man that's old and, and, and young. Like if I wanted Marvel Girl, could I have her? I guess so, right?
0: Well, wait, so you could have
1: Old Man Logan. Does that mean that I could have Wolverine? No, you could either have Old Man Logan or you could have Wolverine, but you couldn't have oh, both. I see. Or you could have Old Man Logan and Marvel Girl. Right. Right, so they don't have to exist in the t- same time frame. I'm going to lose. I did no preparation for this. (laughs) I did a little bit of preparation. All right. So any other, uh, any other, and then, so like, what's the deal? Like, uh, like, are the listeners going to vote on like who drafted the coolest team? Are we going to have like a fantasy fight off? I don't even know how we would do that, but. I I would say the the, the
0: users can, the listeners, the users, the, uh, the listeners can, if they want to do, if they want to vote. If they want to talk about what, who they think would beat who, you know it's up to you it's up to you guys. Okay,
1: so what we'll do is we'll draft our teams um, and then we'll post them we'll, you'll hear them on the podcast and then we'll post them on the Facebook page and, and folks can just, I don't know comment on it. And, uh, so based on we the al- comments we, we'll So f- is, is
0: this like a draft where we alternate? Oh, absolutely. Or, or do I draft my five and then you draft your five?
1: No no no, no, you pick one guy, then I pick a guy or girl. And vice versa. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, all right. And is this this is uh, football with powers? I'm presuming.
1: Oh, I don't know if they're playing football. Maybe they're just fighting each other. Okay. Or maybe maybe it is football. Maybe it is uh, uh, like the team you draft. Like, what would happen if they? Played football with their powers, who would win? Hmm. I don't know, Adam. <laughs> I think we're overthinking. Or who would be the most effective fighting team?
0: I was thinking who would be the most effective football player. <laughs> so I have to change everything. Now.
1: No, 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 no. See, you could go either way because, like, you could pick yourself. Um, a All right, I'm going
0: with a football team.
1: You could go with like a really powerful team, but then the the listeners could break it down and be like, well that team would never work because this person hates this person and this person loves that person and blah blah blah. blah. And your whole team like they would never fight because they would always be infighting.
0: I, uh, you know, you <laughs> never I'm, thought
1: about the the whole relationship aspect of this.
0: No, nobody nobody I have I have I have pooled it down to uh like about 12 characters and I need to choose five from those. And I don't think any of these 12 characters have ever been
1: at odds with one another. Uh, I did zero research on this. So my picks are probably going to be pretty boring. I did about a half hour and I
0: I set the additional guideline to myself that my team was going to be made up entirely of uh, female members of the X-Men.
1: because
0: I thought that would be more interesting because I, I, part of me feels like some of the biggest powerhouses of the X-Men are females.
1: All right, hang on. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a pencil here, a pen rather. I'm gonna write this down. Okay, Adam, you get to go first.
0: All right. Um, who do I start with? You probably
1: want to start with the person you think I'm gonna pick.
0: Oh, I I have no idea who you're gonna pick. Um. All right. So, what are the rules on Phoenix?
1: Well, you can only you could have Dark Phoenix if you wanted to, but. I don't know how long that would work for you. <laughs> I mean, she might be like on your team for like a little bit, but then she might turn against you and all of us and kill us all. So you could add well, Phoenix.
0: Well, what about what about uh Phoenix before she, well, okay. Let's say let's say uh Jean Grey after she comes back from being Phoenix. So she still has some Phoenix powers. Uh, oh, oh. So there, there's the possibility that she can lose her her her, her uh, stuff at any time.
1: I never thought about like like timeline permutations. But okay, <laughs> so, so you're thinking like late or mid X Factor, Jean Grey.
0: No, I'm I'm thinking even after that. I'm thinking uh, Graham Morrison's. Okay. Uh, Jean gray so so she's she's died she's come back she's married scott oh spoilers she's married <laughs> scott summers right um, she got a little phoenix power she's still got a little phoenix power sometimes she thinks she's going crazy but she's got it under control she is uh she's is, she's is both a powerful uh both fighter and a very powerful telepath
1: What if I put a wrinkle in this whole thing and say, like, you can choose your character, but you can't choose from when they came from?
0: Wait, wait, when when they came from?
1: Yeah. What do you mean? Well, you could say, like, I have Jean Grey, but you have Jean Grey, and you get all the baggage that's associated with Jean Grey. So... So, depending on the role of a die, and I don't know how that would be decided, but she could be Marvel Girl, Phoenix, Dark Phoenix. Well, you're you're changing the rules. <laughs> All right, fine. You can have Grant Morris Morrison. I because I'm I'm going to lose this because I'm not going to know which era these guys come from. I was thinking okay. much broader. So, with that in mind, uh, I'm just going to take Professor Xavier.
0: That's uh, that's what I assumed you were going to do because uh, I I have a I have a pretty powerful telepath, and the only real uh combat against that is the world's most powerful telepath.
1: <laughs> yeah, mind wipe, I win. Okay, next.
0: <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I got some I got some little phoenix force.
1: <laughs> well, right. You could put a shield up or something like that. Yeah, it would be a good battle.
0: So, sticking to my uh powerhouse mentality or uh, fo- football mentality. I, I need a, now I I have a I have a telepath and a pretty powerful telepath at that, and I need I need a powerhouse. So, I'm going to go with Rogue. Huh? It's a good pick. Uh, circa circa Jim Lee's Rogue.
1: Okay, so it's it's Carol Danvers' Rogue. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's important, right? Because Rogue eventually loses that, doesn't she?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I actually, I'm not even up to date with what Rogue has right now.
1: I don't know what she has today, but I think there's a point in the run where she is just Rogue with power absorption and doesn't have Carol Danvers' powers. Spoilers. Spoilers. Ah, <laughs> uh, how do I counter that? I didn't really have a counter for that, but I do who, know who my next person is. I'm going to go with... Um, long shot,
0: because
1: mm. you know we're we're not gonna have maybe some muscle. We're gonna have luck.
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna counter your luck with my female version of luck, Domino.
1: She has luck powers. She has luck based powers. She was she an X Man or was she X Force?
0: According to this handy Wikipedia list you sent me, she was an X Man
1: mm.
0: at right. some point. I don't remember that ever happening, but this the internet does not lie. Jeremy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. All right. So uh because I don't have a strong flyer, I'm gonna I'm just gonna take what I took earlier. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Namor.
0: Okay, Namor is a good one. Yeah. So that's so I
1: got a flyer. He can swim and well, fly. That's
0: useful if we're playing underwater football. <laughs> well
1: you never know. This is this is football with powers.
0: Uh so I got two left. I got a telepath, I got a powerful flyer, I got some luck. Um I'm gonna throw in some teleportation and go with magic.
1: Mm, she
0: was, yeah, she and, was, an and fan. all the other good stuff that comes with her too. She <sighs> can, she's got the armor. She's got the control over demons.
1: <laughs> that's that's a good pick. That's a really good pick. But you know what? Um, I am I'm gonna take mimic because I, okay. now I can do whatever you can do. Well, the 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 thing
0: about mimic. Well, wait. I'm thinking which would and mimic could only inter, uh, interpret the first five members of the X-Men, couldn't he?
1: He could uh, mimic people that he came near, proximity-wise. I think that
0: was initially. Well, okay, so you're you're choosing first appearance mimic back when he could do anybody, because I think at some point he can only do the first five.
1: I think at some point you're right; he gets stuck. But I don't I'm... know.
0: I don't know how. Spoilers again. I don't know how that happens, but yeah. He's only able to do the first five X Men.
1: Going OG so mimic.
0: You're you're choosing mimic at a point where he can where he can mimic anybody. Yes. Okay. So one more. Got some heavy contenders here, but I think I'm gonna go with uh, Kitty Pride because I like I like phasing, especially during the game of football. You get the ball to Kitty Pride, you're pretty much set.
1: Mind wipe. <laughs> Well then, well, then Jean comes and does some Phoenix. Yeah, has got to be uh, Jean Gray. Jean
0: Gray plays defense and makes sure that when Kitty gets the ball, nobody, nobody mind wipes her.
1: Oh, you got me covered a lot of different ways here. Um, hmm. I don't know if I have a, a good pick here for the last one. I just, there's no other phasers. I guess I don't really have anybody that teleports. Like, I don't want Nightcrawler. I mean, come on. <laughs> Nightcrawler. <sighs> like Magneto seems like a perfect pick, but what's he gonna do out there on a football field? He's gonna float around. None of your people are made out of metal except for magic, maybe a little bit, but then she yeah, could see, just yeah, I, I
0: was actually thinking Polaris would be mm-hmm. also oh, you know, I could use the, the, the female uh, version of Magneto, but I decided not to.
1: All right, I got my last pick, uh, and it's appropriate for the point in which we are at the comic book. I'm going to select Forge as my fifth, mm. because whatever we can't counter... Well, he's just going to use that power disruptor on Kitty, so I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever we can't counter with our powers, Forge is just going to invent something really quickly uh, to deal with y'all. So there you go, everybody. Let me, uh, let me break it down. Adam's team, the all... Girl, all U.S. girls team. Jean Grey, Grant Morrison, run. Got a cool. hint of the magic foodics.
0: is definitely not American.
1: Well, that's true.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know what Domino is.
1: Fine, it was a bad, bad thing for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, so Jean Grey got some hints of the Phoenix Force, but she's not full-on Phoenix. Rogue in the Jim Lee time period, she's strong. She's got Carol Danvers' powers, power absorption. Domino, who's got luck. Does she do anything else? Like fire guns, maybe?
0: Uh, yeah, she she does. She, it, you know, it's, it's a football game, so okay. she's not going to be shooting anything. But she has uh, good luck and probability manipulation.
1: Got it. That's a, that's a good one. Magic, uh, which is a perfect, uh, excellent selection. Anything that... Uh, gets by her she can just teleport to limbo and leave there so that would suck uh and kitty <laughs> pride and so i have uh professor xavier long shot with his luck power and i don't know that he so much has luck manipulation as he just is like he himself is lucky i don't know that his luck extends to the rest of the team so he may, may not be that valuable for me namor who's just all around flying strong he can swim like i mentioned mimic yeah
0: i think i think namor is your your he's he's going to be your heavy hitter.
1: Yeah, he's not the quarterback. He's going to be like the the wide receiver who's going to he's going to catch everything and just fly it into the end zone. He's your thug. He's my th- mimic. Ooh, that's actually a good good point. It's like, well, positions with these people play. I guess there's only yeah. five of them, so they can't cover all the positions. Uh and then I got mimic and forge. So there you go everybody. Um we'll post those on the Facebook page. Uh and you can you can give us your comments about how would they do in a football game how would they do in a hockey game how would they do at a swim match (laughs) (laughs) would they be good wrestling opponents uh or maybe even better yet like what would that team what would adam's team look like uh in a comic book form and what would my team look like in a comic book form honestly i think i'd be more intrigued by your comic book team than my comic book team but who knows
0: how would they do in a cook-off
1: (laughs) <laughs> Who? which team cooks the best chili. <laughs> so there you go. Thank you for that, J- uh, Jake Ivey. That was uh, fun to do there. So, yes, sir. If you would like to get us to do silly things like that or you just want to reach out to us, you can do so by contacting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. At Danger Room Go is where we are with Twitter. Danger Room at RedCatProductions.com. We can be listened to on Stitcher. We're at uh, iTunes. Just go in there, type in Danger Room in the podcast section. will be the first thing that pops up. And you can also call us at 501-GET-X-MEN, which is 501-438-9636. Wow, look at all the preparation here. I wrote all of that down because I've been stumbling over it for the last few weeks. <laughs> 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 woo Well, Adam, how about we address what happened in that one little panel where Storm said, I talked to Mystique. So the
0: funny thing about Marvel Fanfare number 40, yes, is that it didn't come out until 1988.
1: That's hilarious. So, that's not actually hilarious.
0: It, no, not really.
1: <laughs> so what, were Marvel Fanfares were those annual or did they just come out like whenever?
0: Uh they I believe they were bi-monthly or something like that, hmm. but uh they were a lot of uh, I guess a lot of them were stories that didn't get f- finished or published and they just put them to uh, – they, they finally finished them.
1: Well, but in in uh, the X-Men comic we just read, it said – did it say – it said an upcoming Marvel fanfare, didn't it?
0: Yeah. So remember how I, every time I mention uh, Angel in The Defenders, it references his time in the Savage Land – In upcoming issues of Marvel Fanfare. Uh, And we determined that that definitely wasn't issues one through four that we covered where they were in the Savage Land because that happened that like chronologically was published before those issues of Defenders. And those just never happened. So I think there were a lot of stories that were told that they were planning to put in Marvel Fanfares and they just never got around to it. And uh, this this would be one of them for for some reason Chris Claremont knew or somebody knew that they wanted to tell this story. They wanted it to be in Marvel fanfare. This story belongs in Marvel fanfare, but it did not get done um, until four years later. So maybe, maybe they, they didn't have an artist for it or who knows.
1: So um, the first story in this is basically the, the story follows a, a guy that looks like Angel. And I'm wondering, is this Angel or is this yes. just a weird story? The,
0: this, this is an angel story that takes place during uh, X-Factor. We'll, we'll cover that when we get to oh,
1: it. Oh, spoilers, everybody. We get to come back to this. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Because I was like reading, and I was like, where does this happen? And is this angel? And it is. Okay. So we'll go to the second half.
0: The second half is titled Deal with the Devil.
1: And it is written by Chris Claremont. Craig Hamilton is the penciler. Rick Bryant is the inker. Alan Milgram is the editor. And Deham DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. Petra scoutsi is the colorist. Jim Novak is the letterer.
0: And this feels like a modern, uh, like a, a 1988 Marvel team. So I think this was never drawn, whether it was written in the past. I mean, I guess we'll never know. But uh...
1: the script may have been, I don't even know. Like, why would you bother? I feel like had they have added two more panels in that issue, they'd, this story is just unnecessary. But since they didn't, I mean, somebody either Anasenti or... Him shooter, although I doubt it. Or Chris Claremont's like, ooh, I want to do something. I want to make this bigger. And maybe Anna Senti's like, you can, but not on the pages of the X-Men. We need this action packed.
0: Like I I don't know. This is a weird little story. It uh Yeah, I I'm I'm not really sure why this needed to be done this way, but and then the other thing is the world will never know.
1: In nineteen eighty eight, who cared, right? <laughs> I mean I'm sure there was somebody, I mean four years as a comic book collector, especially when you're a teenager, it's it's a really long time. It's the difference between uh, the first time you're driving your car and, like, the second year of college. Like, you might be done with comic books Uh, by the time this story comes out. Or you may be just getting into comics and you read this issue of Marvel fanfare and you're like, I don't know what is going on here.
0: Or you've, you're a someone who's been following comics and this comes out and you're like, when did this happen?
1: <laughs> right. So I feel like... I feel like 40% of your people don't read anymore. 40% are like, I don't know what's happening. And then there's 30% are like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is kind of unnecessary, but all right. I'll read this. Anyways, yeah. So this, this is what happened between the pages uh, of that issue we just read. And a storm flying around. It's definitely modern looking. This was definitely not drawn in 1984. This is, it looks like uh, somebody trying to, you know, who, who was drawing in 1988? Was Jim Lee drawing by this time? Or uh, Mark maybe. Silvestri probably?
0: I don't think Jim Lee was uh, Jim Lee yet. I mean, I don't think he was as famous, but maybe he was. Okay. I don't know. We'll find out.
1: It just feels, this this issue feels like it's drawn uh, more modern, if that makes any more sense, or it makes sense. In a more modern art style. I don't know.
0: I, I suppose it's definitely a more modern inking style.
1: Inking coloring drawing one of the one of the two just takes it out of 1984. In any event, um this is Storm, she's flying around, she's pontificating. It's all told through her voice. You know, she's giving kind of an introduction of what we're supposed to do. We're outlaws, we're trying to protect people. Uh
0: I just looked it up and in October of 1988, uh X-Men number 235 came out. And it was penciled by Rick Leonardi.
1: Ooh. Yeah. There's a there's a rough patch between the fall of the mutants uh, and I don't remember when. When there was a lot of weird pencilers on the book. This one, uh,
0: to give you a clue of what era we're in, this is called Welcome to Genosha.
1: That was drawn by Rick Leonardi? Yep. Wow. Sure was. Hmm. Huh. Anyways. Yeah, so she's flying around, doing her thing. She heads off to a dance club. Uh, We get a new voice here. We get blue text boxes. Somebody's talking about Storm, how she's a wind rider. She's grace personified, makes the rest of us look like uh, club-footed clods. Little Miss Perfect. And yet, I noted a wild streak in her lately. This is why I set our meeting here at this club.
0: want to see if a stroll on the wicked wild side will shake her precious serenity.
1: So, Storm's walking through this dance club. She meets up with a guy, or a guy's like, hey, you looking for a party? And Storm's like, yeah, but not with you. Your loss. Storm keeps going. She heads to the Cocaine Coacher.
0: Where does it say that?
1: It says, with a K, it says Cocaine (laughs) Coacher. Oh, I see. That's weird. I didn't notice that before.
0: I thought that was a band poster.
1: It probably is. I'm surprised that made it past the comics code.
0: Cocaine Couture. Yeah. But I, I don't know if that, yeah, no idea. Yeah,
1: me either. Anyways, this other person, uh, and it's Mystique. I'll just spoil it. It's Mystique is narrating the other side. Or maybe it's
0: Cocaine Tour because the O in o tour is a female sign, and then there's another O, which is the male sign. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And she meets up with a woman there, Storm does, says, uh, your sister's already here. Go back there and meet up with her. Storm's like, I don't have a sister. What are you talking about?
0: The woman she referred to, she thinks to herself, is a metamorph. And she sees Mystique in the other room. And she knows immediately that it's Mystique because it is Storm uh, looking at Storm dressed like Annie Lennox.
1: (laughs) Well, the, the, the first reveal panel, you see just Mystique's legs. And to me, it looks like Mystique's classic white boots, classic white gloves. And then and we get Storm's face as she reacts. And then we get what you just described, the Annie, Annie Lennox Storm, who has clearly different boots here and is kind of, I think, uh, metamorphed into a hybrid Storm. I like that. but It's cool. Yeah. Uh,
0: Mystique notes that there is rolling thunder outside louder than the band. And there are flashes of embarrassed anger on Storm's face and the implication is that Storm is causing or uh, Storm is causing the storm. Storm is causing the thunder.
1: Yup. <laughs> so Storm's like, stop it. I don't want you to look like me. So Mystique's like, Okay. How would you like me to look like this? And she metamorphs into uh, a woman who I'm not familiar with here. Kind of looks like Kitty Pride, but not a Kitty pride I've ever seen before. That's
0: true. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, it's a Kitty pride that we haven't met yet.
1: Yes. it's
0: Maybe Destiny was like coaching uh, Mystique before she got here. Yes, She's like, dress
1: up like this. <laughs> she will look like this in the future, just not right now. And that will really confuse Storm. <laughs> yeah. She looks like Shadowcat.
0: She dress. Uh, she lights a cigarette as Kitty Pride, which is uh, that kind of freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, I don't like seeing Kitty Pride smoking a cigarette. Neither does Storm. She's
1: like Kitty Pride, Stop it, Mystique. Play with me if you must, but leave the child out of this. She
0: transforms back to Storm, but a a, a different hair variant of Storm with uh, swastika earrings and oh,
1: yeah. a. Swastika necklace. She's like Neopunk Storm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the lightning kicks up, and people are getting soaked outside. They're all coming in, soaking wet. Get to the
0: point, woman. You summoned me. Why? Mystique is kind of chuckling, and she says, First, darling, control yourself. You're frightening the humans. And, and I, she thinks to herself, I must admit, not only them.
1: That's Mystique who's admitting that. She's a little frightened yes. herself. Uh, so they they stare at each other for a while, and then Mystique says, Where is Rogue? She's my daughter, Storm. Even though uh I guess Mystique at this point would not necessarily know where Rogue is. So this this works. This works. Yeah. Yeah. And Storm says she's run away.
0: I've been trying to contact her for days at Xavier's school. Now, that's a confusing line. Like, how? Like, has she been calling her room? Or yeah,
1: the telephone. <laughs> why, why isn't she trying
0: to call the professor? It's like, just call her on the telephone. You know, hey, professor, or anybody who answers the phone at the mansion. Is Rogue around? And they could be like, no. They're enemies. What is she
1: sending, like, flares? Um, um, this is Mystique. Um, just wondering if, uh, rogues can talk, can can rogue talk? They really
0: need to, like, you know, have some sort of truce around rogue. I can call the mansion, but only if I'm, you know, calling to talk about rogue.
1: The professor's like, now, Mystique, we've discussed this. You get to talk to her on Wednesdays and every other (laughs) weekend. It's part of the agreement. You signed off on this. It's Thursday. I want to know where she is. Anyways, uh, yeah, so mistakes like, I knew something like this would happen. Uh, your professor hasn't done her any good.
0: She has been under considerable and increasing strain lately. Professor Xavier believes it is a remanifestation manifestation of the psychic instability that prompted her to seek his aid. Now, to me, this feels like Chris Claremont didn't write this story until
1: 1988. Y- yeah, I'm sure. Because
0: uh, it doesn't tie in perfectly with what was going on in 1984
1: no not at all not really no although maybe he
0: rewrote some of it so that it wasn't specific like you know mentioning Michael Rossi could go a long way to connecting the stories but um, maybe he avoided that on purpose because nobody would know what was being talked about in
1: 1988 people probably would have no idea who Michael Rossi was right but again people in 1988 are still probably like why is this story happening it's boring (laughs) so far Uh, don't pick up (laughs) rogue or mystique rather she she does one of those french inhalations where she blows her smoke out and sucks it up through her nostrils all sexy like is that a french thing no it's called a french inhale as a former smoker adam i was adept at it did you finally quit oh yeah i I haven't smoked in years i think i knew that years (laughs) i tell you
0: yeah i'm pretty sure i knew that
1: Um, that's when a woman whose butt and ankle looks like, uh, Psylocke walks in. Very much so. <laughs> and says, freshen your drink, governor. And how about you? Name your poison. She'll have a hemlock. And it's not Psylocke at all. It's a dude. It's a guy that kind of looks like, uh, kinda I do like Punk Rock Namor. Yeah, he kind of looks like Legion there with the hair sticking oh, up okay. like that.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Or Punk Rock <laughs> Namor. I mean, he's just wearing like a loincloth and some <laughs> leather straps around his chest. Love your hair and bewitched outfits, dudes.
0: We'll party? Uh, Mystique blows smoke into his mouth as they share a. Uh, I don't. Yeah, they do kiss. Storm's kind of weirded out by the whole thing.
1: Yeah, she's so free and casual with her favors, giving and taking pleasure, whatever.
0: Where I dare not. She knows this, which
1: is why she does it. My face is stone. Hers, quicksilver. This is really. Chris Claremont just experimenting with the word. <laughs> so the uh, punk rock namer he gets ready to ha- head off, but uh, Mystique slaps him on his ass. Slap! Delightful boy, such a pity, my dear. You don't know what you're missing. Storm asked the
0: question of the hour: Was is this? Is there a reason for this meeting? Uh, to which I to which I ask Chris Claremont: Is there a reason for this story? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: Uh, so Mystique as Rogue says that, uh, Rogue is, stands falsely accused of murdering an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, you, you should do something.
0: And that, um, also doesn't jive with what we just heard, because Storm didn't know that until Rogue mentioned it. Well,
1: but this is, isn't this Mystique as Storm?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, Mystique, but... The whole falsely accused of, like, oh Storm Storm doesn't know that Rogue is falsely accused. She just knows that she is accused. I mean, Storm probably presumes it's falsely accused.
1: Got it. Got it. Well, she doesn't necessarily, I mean, Rogue offers up that information in the story. It's not like. It's true.
0: It's true. It it could jive, but it's just, it doesn't have the feeling of the two, of Chris Claremont having reread the story.
1: Sure. I'll give you that.
0: It's it's like he's going by memory.
1: Yeah, but. You could also read it and be like, "Well, I mean, just because Rogue told her doesn't mean she didn't already know." In the back of Rogue's mind, she could have been like, or Storm's mind, she could have been like, "Yeah, yeah, I know, I know that's already."
0: Yeah, but it would be so easy to not have those kind of things. That's true. So just by rereading the story and slightly connecting it, but she she does tell her uh, important information, which does connect back to the story, which is that there is a federal strike force on her trail and that they possess a neutralizer gun. Again, no one mentions Forge, Nope, which would be a nice connector, but
1: that's uh, not at,
0: what the story is about.
1: At this point, you said it was X-Men 233, 234? Something like that. We're we're somewhat still should still be, we're a year away from Forge, from where Forge was. So we should have an idea of who Forge is. Would have been a nice little connector for people to be like, oh, I know him. But anyways, so she gets a... And then
0: when uh, Forge becomes a member of the team...
1: Well, that's a that's after, but I'm talking about—well, I don't want to spoil it if you don't know, Adam. Okay, okay, but never mind. Forge has featured uh, seven issues prior to that. Well, Forge is
0: also featured heavily in the issues that we're doing now, so that's why I'm confused.
1: Well, right. I'm just thinking about the 1988 reader, who may not know okay. who Forge is, but— if they'd read for eight months, they'd know who Forge was. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, Mystique gives, like, I don't know, what is this, a map of Caldecott, Mississippi?
0: Uh, it's a list of the child's haunts. Oh. The most likely possibility is Caldecott County on the Mississippi. It's where she was born. Oh, didn't you know? Oh. Uh, well, you know, everybody has their secrets. I guess uh, Rogue
1: doesn't trust me as much as, or trust you as much as you believe in huh. your face. Didn't think about that, did ya? Snap, snap, snap. <laughs> Why tell me this, Mystique? Why involve all the X-Men at all? I would have thought this a perfect opportunity to win her back. Is that not what you want? More than
0: anything, but assume you're correct and I succeed. Nothing will have changed. Her power will still be out of control. I will still be unable to cure her. I thought of allowing the feds to catch her and use their neutralizer on her, but that she'd be normal then with nothing to fear. Able at last to touch and be touched to live an ordinary life. Can you imagine Storm being terrified to touch your own child because, in a very real sense, that touch means your own destruction as she absorbs your psyche? Could you endure such an existence? No way. Not a chance. So she was tempted um, to use the, the weapon on her uh, eye or to let the weapon uh, – to let to let it happen. But then she says, well, the device is still untested and the risk is too great and I can't do that to Rogue. And No one has the uh, slightest
1: idea what will happen. So. Right.
0: So – The, the, she's better off with the X-Men right now.
1: I trust you're pleased. The X-Men win again. And the price, if looks could kill, higher than you suspect, which, I don't think I read those in the right voices, higher than you suspect, which came from Mystique. Right. So there's an ulterior motive here if you're reading. So Mystique walks away,
0: walks through the crowd, and as she's walking through the crowd, she's switching shape, color, gender, style, um... She is impossible to follow, so if, if Storm was trying to keep track of her, she wouldn't be able to. Uh, the Storm does not. She just takes off and leaves. The wall says, Trompfish.
1: It does. <laughs> so, so Storm, she takes off, and uh, we know where she goes because that's the issue we just read, but the story's not over yet.
0: Now, Storm feels that this is a trap, but knowing that it's a trap does not Stop her from going to save Rogue, or to help Rogue.
1: So that's when Mystique sees the uh, elegant woman in the corner. It's beautiful today as when we first met. I behold her in the flesh. She sees me only in her mind's eye. I've always wondered which of us was the more fortunate. So she comes up with a big beehive and tight top and, I don't know. Hiya, Granny. Hey, ain't you a little bit old to be in this joint? No more
0: so than you, Mystique.
1: So this is interesting. I mean, we we got this from the X-Men first class movie, and we probably also got it from comics, but uh, Mystique is old. Yeah. <laughs> and we wouldn't know that yet in the X-Men chronology that we've been reading. That's true. So spoilers.
0: I don't, I rarely put ages on comic book characters. I think it's, unless they're drawn to be old, I don't never, I never think of them as an age. This is weird. Well, I really thought about that.
1: I don't think you're supposed to, to really. I mean, you're supposed to think of Kitty as a young kid. Right. Uh, unless,
0: unless they point it out, I just don't really give well, exactly. people ages. So whenever you ask, like, how old do you think Colossus or anybody is, I'm generally like, I don't know.
1: They all have ages. Like, I think Colossus yeah, is true. supposed to be 19, and Rogue is supposed to be 17. It doesn't help that people don't age in comics, either. That doesn't help. But, but the, 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 the what's being drawn out to us here is that Mystique is older than she appears. How about that? True. Curse is foiled again, uh, but this is weird the The text balloon is coming from Mystique, who continues to say, "I am a precog raven. I see the future. I knew when you would rejoin me. Oh, I see she's speaking for destiny, right uh yeah,
0: yeah, I don't know. this is confusing
1: and in what incredibly outlandish form? well, there's some quotes there. I don't understand, doesn't matter,
0: yep, I don't see, I don't get it either. I think that I I don't think she's speaking for uh Destiny. I think that's supposed to be Destiny's word balloons, but whatever. You can read it however you want.
1: It doesn't matter. Um before we entered this establishment, Raven, did you see Did you warn Storm of my
0: prescient vision? Prescient vision. That whoever goes to Rogue's Aid will suffer the fate meant for her.
1: Don't be absurd, Irene. Of course not. <laughs> Raven, This was the perfect opportunity to both save my daughter
0: and cripple my foremost enemies. How could you have expected me to pass it by?
1: Besides with your powers, you must have known my intentions. Yes, yet you did nothing to stop me. You and Rogue mean more to me than Storm. I could not bear the sight of either of you being hurt. I was being cowardly. You're
0: no coward. Stronger by far than me most times. And even if you were a coward, I wouldn't cherish you any the less. I wipe away her tears. I sense deep meaning to her words. Secret desperately hidden and wonder if I should dare pry.
1: What secret is she referring to? I don't know. <laughs> wheels within celestial wheels, Raven. By saving Rogue today, we may condemn her tomorrow. By condemning Storm, we may doom the X-Men and thereby save the world. So maybe that's that's a alliteration to Fall of the Mutants would be my guess. Okay. Whose fates worse out... Or worse fates... Worse outcomes, can you tell for sure? Nothing certain until it happens. Let the future be. Take care of itself for the present, my love. Raven Darkholm and Irene Adler have more important concerns, and that's when Mystique turns into a very distinguished older gentleman, takes Irene by the hand, and they dance.
0: We're both hunters, Storm and I, but she hunts and fights solely to survive, whereas my goal's always been to win. And tonight, despite Destiny's misgivings, I feel that I've won... Everything.
1: Been. So, Mystique and Destiny—they're like—they're like lovers, huh?
0: Yeah. Well, we knew that. I mean, I don't know if we've learned that, but we—we we did know that.
1: That's cool. Chris Claremont being ahead of his time. Adam, did you read anything else?
0: Ah, uh, yeah, I read a, a couple things. Um, just admiring this Doctor Strange artwork on the next page. Anyway, uh, so. Defenders number one thirty-five. Not a lot happens. The defenders kind of uh, from the last issue. There was that battle with uh, I forget what the guy's name was. Manslaughter um, and two of uh, Angel and Valkyrie were uh, injured. So Iceman, Iceman placed them both in blocks of ice for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Did they burst out? No, nobody bursted out um, because I think he's like supposed. He's preserving their lives somehow. It seems like this would kill them. Yes, it does. It makes very little sense. Um, There's a weird story about the Defenders uh, talking to the the little community that's at the bottom of the mountain where uh, their headquarters is. They're kind of like local Yoko police and stuff. Um, This issue doesn't really go anywhere. (laughs) There's... A guy that sets things on fire.
1: You could have just left that. Iceman put them in blocks of ice and moved on. I think that
0: uh, Valkyrie has a weird secret, something to do with um, letting true heroes go to their deaths. Uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I can got. Uh, Alpha Flight number fourteen. Um, Heather, what's her name? Heather McDonald. Is that Heather Hudson? Yes. Uh, she's still reeling over the death of. Uh, what is it? Mac MacDonald? No, what is it? James. Man, James. James McDonald Hudson, whatever his name is. Something like that. And uh, she tries to save this woman whose baby gets kidnapped and dragged underwater. And um, it turns out that they're, they're going to seek Namor's help to deal with a water creature. And they bring back Marina, who was a former member of Alpha Flight from the first couple of issues. And um, that's it for that one. And then, new mutants number twenty I don't know if you're still following the new mutants
1: uh, you know i I didn't read this one, I really wanted to because the covers look super sweet um. The
0: New Mutants battle the psychic bear that has been terrorizing Danny Moonstar. Uh, it's a really cool issue as far as artwork goes. As are all of these uh, Sin Cevich issues. Uh, Magic really shines in this issue. She's able to figure out how to use her 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 power. She she sees more of her uh, she more of that armor that we saw a couple of issues ago. And they are able to defeat the bear, and as a result, uh, Danny is brought to near death. And her parents' souls— who, if you if you recall from issue one, her parents were killed by this bear— her parents' souls are revived, and they are now alive. So the New Mutants call in the X Men and say, "Hey, Um, Danny's near death, and..." they storm commands the healer the morlock guy to save Danny's life which I'm like wow that healer guy is really convenient
1: they should bring him over to the x-men uh, mansion
0: it, it's they just like call on him every time they need to uh, rescue somebody so Danny's fine again she's able to run dance climb ride everything um and her parents are back alive so that's cool
1: all's well that ends well yeah
0: that's that's all What's the she wrote, folks? There's no cliffhanger uh the professor says every battle, every victory exacts price occasionally, though we wish it otherwise from innocence Because there's two uh, bystanders who ended up turning into uh strange uh, I, I i they turned Indian, I think it was strange i don't, I didn't fully understand um, the professor thinks he might contact. Stephen Strange to get some help with this, and maybe Stephen Strange should also talk to Magic because there's something weird going about her going on with her. And the professor's proud of the new mutants; they did a good job.
1: Hooray!
0: Next issue: Warlock and Slumber Party. Ooh, two new heroes I have been looking forward to. Slumber Party's my favorite. Slumber Party is badass.
1: <laughs> I love Slumber Party's power. Oh man. Tell me about it. Uh, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, we should we should save it.
1: Yeah. All right then. Well, anything else? Um. No. Then until next time. My name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Y'all. If you can't swing this, learn the words. You might sing this, just a little bit of the taste of the face for you. As you get up and dance at the LQ, with some denied to defy it, I swing polos. And then they clear the lane, I go solo. The meaning of all the that media is the wax. As you believe it's true, it will be through the roof. Suckers, liars, hit me a
0: shovel. Some writers I know a damn devil. From them I say don't believe the hype. Yo,
1: Chuck, it must be on a black right. The pins and pads I stash, cause I've had it. I'm not an addict, fiend, if static. I see that tape recorder and I grab it.